Here's what's coming up on today's show. And so that does definitely give us an idea of across the board. There's an investment discipline that these folks stick to, and they don't deviate far from it. So I think that's an important takeaway there. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Thanks for joining us on today's edition of Your Retirement Elevated. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan. He's the co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, serving you in the Kansas City metro area, but also with clients all across the country. From wherever you are, check us out online at listentoscott.com. And you're going to be able to tap into the 21 plus years of experience that Scott brings to the show each and every episode. And uh, we'll tell you more ways throughout the program how you can get in touch if you have any questions at all. Scott, you ready for another great episode today? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Uh, we're talking about millionaires on the show today, right? We're going to talk about like how you know high-level investors and savers, how they do it, where they put their money, where are they investing. Because I bet a lot of people, Scott, that you work with on a daily basis are inching closer to that millionaire club or, or maybe are already there and probably wondering, oh, what, what are others doing? How should I do it? Probably a pretty common question you get, I would imagine. It is, and we're, we're very fortunate to be here in the Kansas City area that Johnson County, the county that we reside and our business is located, um, is in the top 10, 15 wealthiest counties in the country. So we do see a large concentration of people that are fortunate that we've worked hard, very fiscally conservative, and have amassed you know million plus dollars in their savings that is their that whole design is for that to turn that into a paycheck so they can live life, uh, live the retirement life that they want to without the worry of, you know, are they going to, is it going to last long enough? Are they going to run out of money? That's why we talk, we're talking about this today is where do millionaires keep their money? And it's, it's going to be, I think, surprising to some of you where it's not where you think. Now, what, what is it? Do most people think it's kept in some far off place that in the, in the Cayman Islands that, uh, you know, everyday folks would just never be able to use those kinds of strategies or... Or is it the other way? We think that they're investing just like us, and they actually are doing all these complicated things. It's way less complicated than you okay. think. Okay, more, more uh, of the former. Sounds and, like. and I think the my industry has made this way more complicated than it needs to be. I say they've kind of created this idea that the more money you have, the more exotic things need to get. Uh, you need to place your money in these, you know, special investments, which are only tools. You know, investments are just tools to get us to a goal, and so. Many people, again, are curious about the financial habits of the wealthy, and like I say, for good reason. And having a better understanding of how millionaires manage their money can help us all learn from their successes and potentially improve our own financial well-being as well. So and today, we're going to explore the various options available to millionaires for storing and growing their wealth from traditional asset classes to more exotic investments. And we're also going to take a closer look at the strategies millionaires employ to protect and grow their fortunes. So whether you're a millionaire looking for new ways to manage your money or just someone who wants to learn from the best, this podcast is going to be something for you. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit more about that. We're talking about where millionaires invest their money, but does this also kind of bring into the other, you know, the usual questions of who, what, where, how, and those other other things? Is this all related? Definitely. So in order to understand where they put their money, we're going to be talking about the three primary investment decisions that impact 
their your returns as an investor. And these are according to late pioneer of institutional asset management, uh, David Swinson. And those three decisions that impact your returns are number one, asset allocation. So what asset classes do millionaires invest in? Uh, number two, market timing, when do millionaires buy or sell those assets? And number three is security selection. So how do millionaires choose which securities to buy within an asset class? What's backing all of our data up today is we're going to be relying on Vanguard's 2020 How America Invest study. Uh, which examines how affluent households, which they determine is those who have at least $500,000 in investable assets at Vanguard, uh, how they invest their money. While not all of the households in this study are millionaires, the vast majority of them are. The median household in the study has over $1 million with Vanguard, and those below the median have assets outside of Vanguard, i.e. real estate, uh, non-Vanguard accounts, et cetera, uh, that make most of them millionaires as well. So with that being said, let's address the first part of how millionaires invest, their asset allocation. And now, according to Vanguard, the asset allocation of a typical millionaire looks like this about 65% in stocks or equity-based investments, you know, institutional ETFs, things like that, 25% bonds or fixed income, things of that nature. So things that are safe, have some protection to them, and about 10% cash. Ironically, when you look at the, and we'll put a link to this study, uh, ironically, that doesn't change very much over time. If you look at in their chart, 2015 to 2019, it varied from 63% equities to 64%, dropped down to 61. <laughs> and so not very much change. And then the only difference is they kept that fixed income or protected portion about 25%. And then cash hovered anywhere from 11% to 14%. And so again, the pretty, pretty normal, pretty stay the course, not a lot of changes. And so that does definitely give us an idea of across the board, there's an investment discipline that these folks stick to, and they don't deviate far from it. So I think that's an important takeaway there. Yeah, I think that's huge. The consistency is pretty incredible there, right? But I guess that's the that that's probably one of the keys to success. I would imagine it is. And I, I use that term, you know, investment discipline, because if we've got a good investment discipline, and that is in context to the financial plan that we've got in place, again, the investments are the servant of the plan. They're the engine that drives it, and so we need to make decisions up front and talk through, hey, what, what happens if we experience a, a 2022 where the markets are down, you know, the, the overall equities markets are down and so are the bond markets. You know, kind of hasn't happened a lot in time, you know, over time, but we need to make sure there's a smart place to take money from when you're in that distribution phase. It's like, where are you going to pull that money from to supply your monthly income? And that's why having that emergency cushion or that buffer is important in that 25-ish percent that's in that bond slash protected. Uh, that's where you're going to see people hold bonds. Uh, you're also going to see some more conservative investors. That's where you're going to see certain types of protected annuities that are in there that have a floor underneath them and get respectable growth when the markets are up. Uh, but that percentage stays pretty normal. Now, again, these are averages. And some people, if they've got a higher 
tolerance for risk, uh, you know, maybe slightly higher, slightly lower. But again, it all should be customized to your current situation. Uh, and if you look at that allocation over time, it's actually very interesting is that the younger we are, the more risk we take and the older we get, it tends to level out. And really from 65 to 85, uh, those numbers of how much they have in equity or stock, how much they have in fixed income or protected, the amount they have in cash stays pretty, pretty consistent. Okay. Consistency, like that word when we're analyzing these different things. So asset allocation is uh, certainly huge. Uh, what is the uh, the next little element that you see them doing? Is that the market timing aspect of all this? I know that's yeah. a bad word, right? It is. An, and so Elevator Retirement Group are, and Elevated Capital Advisors are two sister companies here. We don't believe you can successfully time the market because when you time the market, you've got to be right twice. You, know, you got to know when to get out and you've got to know when to get back in. And if you've been to any of our events or consuming any more material, you know that it's a very difficult task to be able to do that effectively. And the speed at which things are happening today, it makes it even tougher to be able to get in, get out at the right time, uh, because it also compounds the emotions around it. Uh, so that's, again, we believe in having your emergency fund stocked for the appropriate amount of, of months of expenses. We want to have a war chest where we're able to pull money out of either fixed income or certain types of annuities and down markets. And then we want as much as we can in equities for the plan purpose. And so those keep up with tax and inflation that are liquid. And we don't necessarily want to draw those down if we don't have to during rough times. So we want to have that good balance. But again, most, I can tell you, millionaires are not trying to time the market. And even, you know, this is not just an artifact of, you know, the relatively calm markets, you know, from 2015 to 2019. During the market crash of March 2020, only 11% of Vanguard investors made any active trades in 2020. Oh, wow. Think about that. That's, that's the pandemic. Wow. Pretty minor. Yeah. yeah. And this is just a Vanguard thing. Uh, you've probably heard of the book called The Millionaire Next Door. And Walter, you've probably maybe done a few episodes on this over the sure, years yeah. talking about the book. I'm sure you've mentioned uh, it once or twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it comes to a similar conclusion when describing a typical millionaire household. We hold nearly 20% of our household's wealth in transaction securities, such as publicly traded stocks and mutual funds, but we rarely sell them. Uh, it's usually selling them only if it's in that distribution phase. And so again, from those two sources, Vanguard and the Million Next Door, those two data sources, it seems clear that most millionaires aren't trying to time the market in any meaningful way. They invest, let it ride, and have plenty of cash or a war chest to weather any storms. So we've got the issues of asset allocation, we've got issues of timing the market, and then it's sort of the the selection or the picking within those then kind of larger brackets, right? Absolutely. And when it comes to how millionaires pick securities within an asset class, the answer is, surprise, drum roll, diversification. Mm. And diversification, the way I look at it, is that we're always going to be apologizing for something in the portfolio. Uh, because when markets are really up, what do we all want as a human? We want everything to go up. It's like, well, why don't I have more of that stuff that's going up? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and again, 
so there's when the market's up, some things are going to hold or go down and vice versa. They're going to be non-correlated assets. Now, where this kind of threw it a wrench in the program uh, was 2022. If you followed that traditional equity bond cash mix that we're kind of talking about that 60-40, your stocks and your bonds went down. Now, our clients that are equity-based maybe some fixed income, or they replace that fixed income with protected types of annuities, the stuff that was in that category didn't go down. Uh, so they had a little smoother ride. Uh, but again, we build our clients' portfolios to fit them. We don't have this predetermined uh, Play-Doh fund factory, you know, how we do allocations. We design an income plan. We clearly identify how much money you need from that plan. And then we talk about how to invest that to supply the income gap, aka your monthly paycheck, that you need from your investments. And some people want to, are fine with taking that from a market-based approach, which means money, you know, the, the value goes up and down. Some people want that more protected. So an example, if we need $2,000 added to our Social Security check, uh, some people are fine taking that from the stock market and let's say from a dividend portfolio. Uh, and they understand if the market goes down, their portfolio shrinks, uh, but they're still churning out the dividends. Some people like that $2,000 guaranteed like a personal pension. They want that to come in like clockwork. And so you're using very conservative assets or guaranteed or protected assets to do that. And then the third option is really blending those two. It's a hybrid of if it's $2,000 that you need on a monthly or monthly basis, part of that may come from the dividend pool or that market-based plan. And the other part of it may come from the a guaranteed or protected source. So an example in that $2,000, maybe $1,000 comes from a market strategy and $1,000 comes from a protected strategy. So that's the hybrid approach. And we believe that those are the three choices. And we believe it's up to us to explain the pluses and minuses of each of those scenarios and strategies. And we need to help our clients facilitate whichever one's going to help them sleep well at night and give them the highest level of satisfaction in their retirement. All right. I don't know the right word for my next question here, Scott, but, you know, since people are becoming more, you know, in that millionaire category, perhaps the question, you know, can I invest like a millionaire doesn't carry as much zip or weight as it used to. So what about a ultra millionaire or an extra millionaire? What about the really, really big millionaires? Do they change their strategies from the every old day millionaires out there? Well, I think that uh, when you start looking at those people that are, are amassing very large parts of wealth, one thing that's interesting is that the larger the wealth accumulation or the value that they have, uh, a lot of that's going to be people that own interest in businesses. Okay, And that's where uh, an example in that millionaire next door Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Danko in that book that on average, 20% of our household's wealth is in our private business. And so again, it, as the dollars get larger, an example, if you know someone's over $10 million in net worth, uh, you're looking at approximately one third of their net worth value is going to be in business interest or real estate. Uh, if you go that $100 million, it's almost over a half 
of their wealth would be in real estate or businesses. And over that 1 billion mark, it's predominantly, uh, I would say well over two thirds are going to be in, you know, business interest and or real estate. Hmm. Okay. So it sounds like maybe just multimillionaire is the uh, direction to take that in there, but definitely starts to become a little bit of a different mix for those folks. Yes. And when you look at the, you know, that million dollar uh, net worth, as an example, about millionaire households have about 25% of wealth in their primary residence and 15% of business interests. That implies that the typical millionaire has about a 60% allocation of stocks, bonds, cash, protected accounts. So more importantly, this percentage seems to decline as household gets wealthier. Again, you know, as you get larger, it's because of a business and or real estate that you've acquired over time. Okay. That makes sense. Very good. So maybe the the big question is, all right, so if I want to be a millionaire, can I invest like a millionaire to become one? Well, surprisingly, um, investing like one won't mean that you're necessarily going to make a, you know, become a millionaire. And throughout the study and the millionaire next door, we would assume that emulating how millionaires invest their money, you too will one day become a millionaire, but not necessarily the case. And why is that? Is because most millionaires don't become millionaires solely based on their investment decisions. They also tend to have a high income, a high savings rate, or both. And the further you go up in the wealth spectrum, the more apparent this becomes. So if you want to become a typical millionaire, like the affluent households and Vanguard's 2020 How American Invest study, buying a diverse set of income producing assets and earning 7% a year will work just fine as an example. Um, However, if you want wealth that is orders of magnitude higher, the S&P 500 ain't going to cut it. So to obtain an extreme level of wealth, you need a very high income. So that's going to be famous musicians, actors, athletes, successful business owners, C-suite executives, or a huge liquidity event, which means you sell a business, um, have startup equity in the IPO. That's how most people get that huge magnitude of wealth. I can tell you, we don't have... We have clients that have a liquidity event where they sell a business. Uh, that's more common. Sorry to say, we don't have any musician, rock star clients, you know, multimillionaire uh, comedians, anything like that. <laughs> we have people that worked really hard, were great, diligent savers that saved day in, day out, year after year, didn't get in crazy debt. And the fact that they saved and invested over time didn't deviate from their plan. That's why they've got a million dollars plus saved for their retirement savings is because they had those diligent habits that they did not abandon. So again, they had that investment discipline to stay the course, no matter what the apocalypse du jour was. Really helpful to get that perspective, I think, Scott, and knowing just kind of some of the uh, the, the carrots here, some of the nuggets, uh, some of the things that we can apply maybe to our own everyday investing. I'm sure you're doing a lot of these things as you kind of detail throughout the show. Hey, we're doing this with our clients. Hey, this mirrors what we do. But then there's pieces of this where you're able to then sort out and say this this isn't a fit for our clientele, the, for the people that we work with and the families that we have. They're not investing like a rock star. <laughs> the the options are different. The things that we have at our disposal and the goals are very different. And uh, that's probably something that a lot of people miss if you're just watching the news or just seeing what so-and-so is doing, or even just a friend down the street is doing in their portfolio. What a situation, their goals, their needs, totally different from from yours. And so it just kind of really is highlighted, I think, in this millionaire comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's not sexy. It's not exciting. That's when you read that millionaire next door. I I read it years ago, 
but there's nothing outlandish in it. You know, it wasn't buying cryptocurrency, uh, wasn't buying a lottery ticket, you know, wasn't buying the hottest IPO, wasn't anything like that. It was just diligent, hard work, saving, staying the course, plotting along, putting in the work. That's what ultimately gives people the freedom and flexibility when they've amassed the retirement assets to be able to turn that into a paycheck, turn that into an income stream where they don't have to worry, are they going to run out of money? Are they going to live too long? You know, is healthcare going to throw a curveball and have a, you know, a big, put a big dent in their finances? Or if, if I lose my, if I pass away, is my spouse going to be okay? Again, you've done the hard work of saving the money. The good plan is how do we adapt and overcome those situations or at least quantify the effect that it would have on your plan, which I think helps educate you to figure out, is there something you want to do about that possibility? And so again, that's what good planning, uh, good research does. And those are the things that we do on a daily basis to help our clients really achieve an exceptional retirement. All right. Very good. Uh, again, we're going to also link to this Vanguard study in case you just, you know, if you're really intrigued by the things we talked about today, you might enjoy checking out that interesting study. It was, again, back from 2020, but still some nuggets in there uh, that you can continue to break down for yourself or lay your own eyes on. It's called How America Invests, and we'll link to that in the show notes of today's show. If you've got questions for Scott and want to talk about your own plan in more detail and more specifics, you can certainly do that. 913-393-4724 is the number. 913-393-4724. That's in the description of the show as well. Uh, and you can also go to listen to scott.com for more information and episodes. Check us out there. Uh, Scott, appreciate all the help on the show today. Enjoyed this one, and we'll have another conversation on tap next time around. Looking forward to it, Walter. Thanks a lot. Uh, doing the same uh, on this end. Looking forward to our next conversation. Until then, everybody take care, and we'll see you on your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.